Welcome to Season 8 of the Keeping Things Alive podcast out of Western New York. My name is Laura Evans. I'm a former environmental lawyer, current natural resources planner, animal lover, and gardener. I'm also the author of Silent Seasons, Chasing Sustainability Through the Law, which is available as an ebook, paperback, and audiobook. The Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges as we all live together on this beautiful, living, and interconnected planet Earth. Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. We are winding down season eight, and this is actually going to be the last interview that I conduct for season eight. Um, I have John Washington here with me, and we are going to have our annual conversation about local politics and the upcoming general election, as well as just check in with him and hear what he has been up to, I don't know, in 2023, I guess. So um, yeah, John has been on the podcast multiple times before, but he is a housing organizer for the Homes Guarantee campaign, as well as a founding member of the Wakanda Alliance Galactic Tribe. And so, John, do you have anything to say? Welcome. Uh, <laughs> um, did I leave no, stuff out? It's, um, I guess, good to be back on the podcast. And uh, yeah, it's cool to be doing this every year. Sorry, I probably need colds closer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we're good. It picks it up anyway. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, yeah, we're good. Um, but yeah, no, it is good to do this every year. And I think we started, I think we missed one year maybe, but since 2018, we've been checking in and going over the ballot and discussing what positions are on the ballot so that voters can listen to this before they go vote and make an informed decision about what's in front of them. And I think in the past, we have done ballots that have been really focused on the city of Buffalo, New York. Um, But this year, because I... um, I'm living in Hamburg, and that is where I graduated from high school and just, yeah, in Hamburg a lot. So this year we have two ballots to look at, the city of Buffalo and the town of Hamburg. And Hamburg is a second-ring suburb, small town outside of Buffalo, so they are connected. A lot of people work in Buffalo and live out in Hamburg, Um, not so many vice versa, but maybe, I don't know. Um, I think it's mostly uh, going into the city, but yeah, so these are two very different places, but in the Western New York region. And I mean, I have some thoughts, but John, I'll let you start off. um, I think just going through kind of across, you know, from left to right, the different positions and also touching on another thing we talk a lot about is the, the parties that are there. And that's definitely what I want to get into as well. So, yeah, what do you see? Um, yeah, I guess we'll start with the uh, Buffalo ballot. So, um, yeah, there are three family court judges. Uh, so these are people who make decisions and determinations about, um, yeah, how families deal with a wide range of issues. And I think they are actually some of the most definitive positions um, for people with families that there are. And yeah, there's a 10 year term. It's on um, both ballots. On both ballots. Yeah. Cause it's a County yes. thing. So um, yeah, people in Hamburg and Buffalo are voting for the same people. 
And I and think that's, vote for any three, <clears throat> and there are three candidates. Yeah, there are exactly three candidates, and I mean, this is well curated by both parties, and also there are just not a whole lot of people who actually want to play these positions and roles, and generally there's like a mm. pipeline of people who do this work and eventually want to get to this position. Um, and I just, yeah, I think it's very... It makes it much more difficult that we don't actually have a separation between city and county because you have a lot of fundamental differences between how families work in cities and counties, especially when it comes to just like language, culture. Um, and so, yeah, we have yeah really no options. Um, yeah. And these people have been decided probably for quite some time and then they will be there uh, for 10 years, which is another reason why people love this job who actually do it because imagine having a job for 10 years that you pretty much could not be removed from right yeah exactly no i i definitely remember going through family court on the ballot in previous years and it's always the same thing and yeah it's a really like just yeah soul crushing system so yeah it's not a lot of candidates and then the ones that do get a cushy or a job that's guaranteed <laughs> cushy is kind of a weird word but yeah it's a position of power um and yeah the range of people that live throughout the county and just that wide area is yeah you can't this does not match up like cultural practices at all well, and the efficiency too like if there were city ones and county mm. ones then they would actually get more attention and i think that's a thing a theme that i want to build on more is just this idea that um it is not cushy but by disengaging other people mm. you get more power and i think fundamentally most americans do not understand what a, like a democracy is and that ultimately it is in the interest of the people who run the democracy to actually disengage people yeah. so they have more power over the process because everybody's like well why this and why that and why would you make this system where nobody wants to participate and right. ultimately it's because the people who do then have more more power and get more money yeah I'm just looking at what day election day is because yeah we have a few weeks coming up but you know, a lot of it's uh, Tuesday, November 7th is Election Day. And is there early voting? There is early yeah, voting. Early voting. So, so I believe a week up. before that, I think it's on the first or whatever, okay. the Sunday before the Sunday, like maybe a week and a half before that, there'll be a week of open elections where you can okay. vote for certain things. Because, um, yeah, like a lot of these decisions were made in June in the primaries. I'm not entirely sure what happened with family court. It seems like they all just kind of <laughs> breezed through there. But yep. any sorts of like con contest about um, who was going to be the Democrat or who was going to be the Republican running, that all happened in June. So that's what I found. And something that I just want to say is like this year, I've just been a lot more disengaged with the political process. I'm never like fully keyed in, but I am more than most and then this year it's just it hasn't happened so and there's a lot of reasons for that but looking at this ballot it is really you know frustrating that there aren't more options and I know it goes way beyond like me paying attention earlier in the year than not like it's it's bigger than me but I just wanted to say that when I like was preparing for this or whatever I was just like 
this this is a depressing ballot <laughs> uh, yep yeah. and and by design and the more depressed we are and then it's almost like a struggle for engagement and it's like well with all of the things going on in the world and things going on in people's lives like right. it, it it is really not in most people's like direct interests although people like yeah the county executive have an enormous amount of right. power mm-hmm. over over our lives and i think that's the the next position and yeah I think let's talk about that it's really important to name that like you know the government is a business right mm-hmm. and the county legislature is a board mm-hmm. basically that can create laws but ultimately the county executive decides how all of those are laws are executed and decides who most of the people along with a couple public sector unions yeah. that execute them and how they're executed yeah um and who is contracted with to execute them it's like the president of the county right Yep, yeah. the president. I would say CEO, right? CEO, that she, yeah. and, I, and I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that they call Calling him an executive, right? They call him the executive, but they don't cease. They they say different things in business and different things in government, right. but really the government is just like a, as in a, like a dialectic relationship with businesses. It's like a balance that yeah. ensures that the things that businesses need happen. And um, I think that's not the way most people perceive democracy because. Um, you know, our founding fathers wrote a lot of like very rosy things, but when you actually look at like what they wrote about the functions and the role of government, um, it is to execute certain things that leave a platform for exchange mm-hmm. yeah. and business. And the county executive um, has made some enormously powerful decisions recently, including, yeah, the, the where the Bill Stadium, Bill Stadium is, yeah. um, all of the contracts for the Bill Stadium, yeah. which um, April Baskin, who's also on this ballot, has been really challenging and. Mm-hmm. Getting much more of a range and diversity of different, not just like black, white, but also like when you are the executive, it means that a lot of your choices cannot be challenged. Right. And so not to name anything specific about any kind of executive, but like executive power. And this is a thing I think another that is important when understanding government is the difference between government governing power legislating power and adjudicating power they're very Mm -hmm. different and so when people think about the inefficiencies of government they're often thinking about um, judicial processes and legislative processes but executives under the laws that they have the power under which Mm -hmm. are often broad scoping and can be challenged but because it takes so long to challenge them they just do what they want when they want and how they want like the agencies and like the department like the county has all those departments and yeah so so many departments and a very large budget that is available mm-hmm. online and, and they're doing the highways mm-hmm. and um yeah other i mean there's a lot of county land um a lot of like development projects uh what else is well, the they're on the Erie, yeah the, they decide indu- contracts so yeah the bill stadium and the industrial development agencies and right. taxes and yep. property taxes mm-hmm. um and therefore land values exactly. um and so the position really controls whatever isn't controlled by the individual municipalities in the county. Mm-hmm. And then most of those municipalities are ultimately dependent on federal funding. And the county and the city are vehicles for different sets of federal funding, right. but the county way more money like yeah. way more like so much more money than the city and not more and then like there is this illusion and i think that that mark pulling cars and other people have like kind of hit under that like the city doesn't need the county's money mm. even though the county gets a lot of its money because of the poverty of the city yeah and so the county executive is is in a very delicate balance and an interesting dance yeah. with the gut with the legislators from the city mm-hmm. and the legislators from different communities 
cities. And right. again, and very the wide range. Of the city of Buffalo, too, there's mm-hmm. always been that tension as well. Always that tension because the truth is, Erie County gets way more money than counties that have the same demographics in the suburbs, but no seat city that has the level of poverty that Buffalo does. And so they get a lot of extra money because of how poor Buffalo does, Mm -hmm. and then often distribute it like they did with the Bill Stadium Mm -hmm. um, in ways that ultimately benefit the suburban markets because, honestly... Mm Um, there, there's a lot of suburban poverty and a, and a lot yeah. of ways that because the suburbs are not set up for poor people, mm-hmm. um, that that is necessary and also ways that it's not. And so yeah. I think it's like a really important decision. And then our choices here are Mark Poland cars and then, you know, Chrissy Casillo, who is a conservative and I would say yeah. even a pretty far right conservative. Yeah. And so when a conservative is an executive, it basically means that like a lot of the money is not going to get spent. It's like the Ron Swanson of being an executive. Yeah, they're Ex- they're being like small government stingy and yeah, not wanting to And if you believe in that politically, yeah. I respect it, but also if a county has set itself up to provide services mm-hmm. and to apply for and receive federal grants for services, agencies, and departments, yeah. and you start cutting them, um, it hurts the whole community. Right. And people don't realize, like, the county has, like, I, I should have looked this up, but it has, like, hundreds, if not close to a 1,000 employees. Right, yeah. And so, so those people yeah. make a lot of money, and those that money is, like, mm-hmm. circulated in our community. Um, and it's a real jobs machine. So exactly. they, they have a real lot of power over that and over their role in industrial development, the industrial development agencies, and then where things like Tesla plant. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, we have these parks, these office parks that are being built. And so there's a lot of yeah. power and a lot of money um, in the county position, and they are a CEO with a board that is mostly suburban mm-hmm. um, and often very conservative. And Mark Polencar's politically is very liberal mm-hmm. um, and is and actually he's been does, there a while. And he was a comptroller before, so okay. I think he does. I don't always agree with what he does, but I think that he is he spends money and invests in things that he and he thinks other people value Mm -hmm. and so like that's really the choice that you have like do you want someone who is going to conserve the most resources um or do you want someone who is going to manage and deploy those resources and then the question is what do you think of the value system that that's done through. And then I just don't understand how a libertarian can be a county executive (laughs) because they don't Dwayne Whitmer. I have not seen anything. I mean, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen any signs. Libertarians don't believe in executive power. Right, right. Um, And that that they just get elected to do nothing? I'm I'm, I'm really actually genuinely interested to talk to more libertarians about how they think about government because fundamentally... They don't believe that there should be a county right. executive and an executive branch mm-hmm. of any form of government. Um, yeah. And yet um, they're a party that that's there. So yeah. uh, I've already kind of alluded to, but like the legislators, there are nine legislators from nine districts. Okay. Three that's of those districts to touch the city yeah. of Buffalo. The rest of them are all surrounding suburbs. Right. So our and- Buffalo ballot has one county legislator option. And then my Hamburg ballot has... A, a different set of candidates so because mm, we're yeah. in two different zones but you said there's nine of them yes okay um yeah yep april baskin's on the ballot in the city and she's running unopposed and then 
there is no Democratic candidate or Working Families Party candidate in uh, Hamburg. There's only a Republican candidate and a conservative one. And yep, this is this is the zone I, I currently reside in. So I'm looking in that right in box. I don't know. Um, it's I, this is where it's like, yeah, I mean, that happens a lot in the city of Buffalo, right? Where, yeah, it's just Democrats. That's your only choice. And so this is my first time as a voter being like, oh, my only choice is a Republican or conservative. Well, and that's also how our country is designed. And I think, yeah. you know, we people say this word democracy, but like really what has happened is one it's a it's a democratic republic it's never been a democracy uh, i don't think democracy means what people think it means mm-hmm. and then you know over the past 120 years of housing policy we have created urban rural and suburban and yep. designed them to p- specifically um you know to reflect conservatism liberalism and libertarianism at yeah. the, the it's like the further you are away from people the less the government has an impact on your life and the more it actually makes sense mm-hmm. that you don't believe in government because people on rural farms don't generally interact with the government and if they do it's in a very manipulative way through the farm bureau yeah. and all that stuff and then people in cities literally everything that they do is like heavily regulated and heavily invested mm-hmm. in by government. And so it's part of a way that like our country has been curated yeah. to have the political spectrum. It does because the political spectrums of other company countries are totally different. Mm-hmm. And ours is one of the most right, like our right, our left is like center right in Europe. Mm. Um, and yeah, very, very different politically than other places. And part of the reason for that is because of like how invested um, the last 120 years of federal policy has been in creating this gap and creating white flight and creating the situation where there are like hyper concentrations of race and class mm-hmm. in specific places. What was, What's the 120 year mark? Um, what is that? Well, I mean, I know. What was the start? Well, I mean, around. I mean, I guess you could say that it goes. I mean, really, it starts in Reconstruction, is like that, you know, pretty much. I think it was like 99 point. It was a lot. Like, most black people lived in the South because Mm -hmm. they were slaves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, very few, like, moved north. And so during, like, Reconstruction, um, you know, they're, they're, black people were not limited to the South. And I think white people in the North, while they didn't want slavery, like did not want people of color living near them. Mm. Um, and then, you know, Europe. Um, I mean, even before Hitler, there was Otto von Bismarck. And yeah, so there so was like, like one, mass. One series of tactics after another. Just, well, there's also just, yeah. there was, our country was very homogenous. Um, there was like different kinds of people, but like they stayed in the same place. Mm -hmm. And then the combination of breaking up like the slavery, the institution of slavery, even though it existed and people were slaves and sharecroppers up until the late 70s, but like the breaking up of slavery as an institution, the construction of the prison slavery system, and then just waves of immigrants. Um, You know, we like to think of Europe as a stable place, but, um, you know, the lead up to World War One, World War Two, and even what we're seeing now um, in in the Ukraine, um, there in the Baltic states, like there has always been high levels of political conflict and refugees mm-hmm. coming to America. And we talk about like Irish, Italian, and people know those stories, but we don't think about the fact that like before the 1880s, 
it was really like white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until like the 1880s to like through World War One and World War Two that we got waves and waves and waves of immigrant populations and particularly Catholic immigrants because mm-hmm. most Catholics were in many ways discouraged yeah. uh, from being in what was essentially a Protestant nation yep. um, and a very like not just European, but very specifically like British and not Irish, like Anglo-Saxon. Mm. Um, and that's why like those those terms are important to like the, the, the Germanic tribes of Europe, which people often don't talk about. And so from eight, like the late 1880s to like the 1930s when they created the mortgage and all this housing policy, like it really was a problem. And people have seen the movie Gangs of New York, right? Mm-hmm. Like people think about Ellis Island, like those people did not get along and most of those people were not considered white. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you have Anglo-Saxon Protestants in Northern cities now dealing with waves and waves and waves of right. new kinds of people coming in. Yeah. And then there's freedom. So like they can theoretically live there, but they mm-hmm. can also burn houses. And that's why people end up in ghettos. Mm. Um, and so, you know, ghetto is usually a people think of ghetto as black now but like if you like think about the history of new york city like there was a ghetto for every single type of person and that's what ghetto means it's like a concentration of a population that has less economic and political Mm -hmm. rights and so part of what i think the creation of suburbs was was really about like how do we unify people under this banner of whiteness and how do we get people to align politically uh and the best way to do that is to distance people and to like Mm -hmm. separate them and to segregate them physically separate and then and so segregation i I would say apartheid is really important to um dissipating all of our interests and organizing them in a way that people feel in competition with each other and that's like part of the way that our political system is built and so when we think about these choices like you live in you are a relatively liberal person who lives in a conservative suburb and that means that you don't get represented Mm -hmm. um and i think that's uh, very important for like the feelings that people have about politics the more Mm -hmm. specific feeling is not oh politics is dumb and stupid it's like i'm not represented in it and it's very much designed that way and i would also say with representation like definitely like political spectrum but also age Mm -hmm. like i look at this ballot and i'm like every as far as i know i guess i don't know for sure but it just seems like i'm voting for people that are not like just much older than me and have been yeah playing this game for like a really long time and it's just like yeah i don't identify with it um definitely politically and then yeah just the age gender (laughs) like a lot of it Mm -hmm. um yeah, it's really wild. Man, we are, um, well, we're doing good. Uh, we're about halfway through the ballot in 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, we don't have anything to talk about with the ballot, but that, of course, is not true. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about the legislator position? Um, just that um, there, there is, it's, it's a difficult position because there's three city seats, there's six suburban seats, and they always argue and generally... Uh, exec- full-time job? Um. It is a full-time job and not super well-paid, but better paid than like average jobs. And then it just, to, to that point... It is there's an inherent conflict between the representation of the city and the representation of a county, mm-hmm. and that's why like the executive is kind of like the swaying force um, in that. And often they don't make decisions because they don't, you know, they're they're unable to like agree mm-hmm. on like how things need to move. Um, right. So your lack of choice um, is very difficult and like makes it difficult for 
people in the Democratic Party to like move an agenda mm. um, through the county legislature. Um, so I just wanted to name that. And then, yeah, city court judges are, and I don't know what's on the other ballot. Uh, oh, you have you have two council members. Two council members. And it's like they're running to, it's almost like they have running together because you get to vote for two. So mm-hmm. yeah, two Democrats, two Republicans, two conservatives, and then the same Working Families Party and Democrat match for this one. But it's interesting, the Republicans and conservatives have differentiated themselves again. Um, so, yeah, I've got options. Yeah, so uh, but like, I do not have an option for the town justice. That is a four-year term. Carl W. Morgan, no working families party, but everybody else is on his line. So that's the whole Hamburg ballot. Yeah, and the council members are similar to legislatures, so I think the mm. town clerk is the town executive that would those would be on the board of the town clerk. Okay. And the town clerk would function similarly to the county legislature, but fractally, you know, for the town. And obviously you have one choice there. Yeah. Um, well, the clerk, yeah, they're doing a lot of logistics and things, right? Yes, Something they're doing like a lot that. of logistics, and it depends and the on the place. the council member is like city council, I right. think. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes the clerk is a replacement for mayor. Sometimes they are like the logistic okay. person. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly sure how it works in Hamburg. Hamburg. Me either. And I know the Eden clerk does like all the permitting and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not sure about Hamburg. Yeah, and our Erie County clerk like runs the DMV and like yep, runs the like exactly. the yeah the different little things that uh, keep everything going. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's only one choice for city court judge, and you know similarly like. There's, you know, Republicans and conservatives are not represented all in cities. And that's, again, I think speaks to the anger that you see on both sides. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody's talking about this country is so divided. And it's like not the people's responsibility. Like whatever your political opinions are, the country was designed to be divided so that we have this frustration that they can. Yeah. And something that came up uh, just with uh, talking with Sarah Sorcy for the podcast is just how much the isolation of COVID has really like amplified the divide. And then, you know, we're kind of, yeah, in this like post quarantine time, but it's like a lot of the habits of being very isolated still persist. And um, I, that is not helping this ballot at all. Nope. Yeah. So yeah, similarly, you know, um, with the city comptroller, we have yeah Barbara Miller Williams, who's already the comptroller, uh, was on the county legislature previously, and yeah, comptrollers, um, they are basically like the treasurer, or the accountant of the city, um, and so yeah, the city has had an interesting accounting history, um, but uh, that's that's our choice, uh, and then on the last one for. The city one is, you know, um, I, I'm seeing like Mitch Nowakowski, oh, right. who was our, you know, going to be the council member for, I believe this would be for Fillmore District in Maston. It will be. Yeah, this was on Zanetta. Elmwood Avenue. This is like. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, the apartments across from Elmwood Marketplace. Uh, I can never say the name. The Stuyvesant? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what this address is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. So yeah, that um, that that council is the council around the mayor, mm-hmm. uh, currently Byron Brown, um, and yeah, Mitch is uh, relatively a liberal representative of the Fillmore district, which is interesting because mm-hmm. basically Allentown is chopped up between um, Ellicott, Fillmore, and um, 
Niagara District in okay. a very interesting way that has a lot to do with the perception of money and the actual money that's in that area. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if yeah, if you look at the, the maps, they're really interesting. Um, but yeah, they would be making, you know, they would be like kind of the board for the mayor and also able to make their own laws, even though they choose not to do that very often. Okay, our- I always had in my head that they were like the legislature of the city government, but maybe mm-hmm. they are. They are yeah. okay. Yeah. They can be. Yeah, I. I wish I had had a list of all the different districts and the candidates, but yeah, I just narrowed in on so two specific. One ballots. thing I want to name about the 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 this year is that there will be many more women representing us. So true. Leah Halton Pope won the primary. Uh, Zanetta Everhart won the primary um, for the Democrats. For the Democratic yeah. Party, uh, would have loved to see uh, India go a little further, but I think it's interesting to see that you know there has been a pretty powerful reaction for a long time to how Bonnie Russell, I think, was the last woman mm. on the council, and it's been at least ten years since yeah. she was on there. Are all of the seats up this year, yes. or is, does it all rotate through up. all of them? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's pretty cool, and it's a four-year term. Um, sorry to throw this curveball at you and I'm trying to make sense of it right now, but this always happens to me and I'm glad I'm catching it now, but there's some pr- proposals at mm-hmm. the bottom, proposal number one and proposal number two. They are the same for both Hamburg and Buffalo, but mm-hmm. they have to do with Raising removing the debt small ceiling. city school districts from a debt limitation and then extending sewage project debt exclusion from the debt limit. Do you know anything about these? Yes, or? so... One of the things that state constitutions do, and one of the things that's actually in our constitution, although I don't know exactly how it's written in the U.S. constitution, is the right, and I think this is a big thing if you've ever seen Hamilton, right, about like the argument and the root argument between Hamilton and Burr Mm -hmm. and between Federalists and Anti-Federalists was the capacity of a nation to incur debts and Mm -hmm. to introduce currencies. And so most state constitutions have debt limits, set limits around property taxes. And so basically all those things are going to have to change because of inflation. Mm-hmm. And so I think the reality is there is some risk in like raising debt limits because debt is, and this is why if you read any religious text, they're all very anti-debt because mm. you can create more debt than labor can actually like recognize yeah, and reconcile. Sure. And debt ultimately will mean more taxes, right? If you're going to create more debt, how's it going to get paid? It's going to get paid for you getting taxed more. Mm. And that is why, um, you know, even in the late 1700s, people were having shootouts over whether or not the country could have this much debt. So I think with these particular things, cities, counties, all municipalities, because government is actually a business, are really struggling to figure out how they're going to pay for things without going into yeah. more debt and then dealing with the limitations of the debts that they can take out for. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously, so every yeah, single thing going has. On with small city school districts, they're, they're mm-hmm. not able to do what they need to do. And then sewage projects. And I mean, this is me just sort of reacting to it in front of me, but I, I definitely see like all around, um, upstate New York, just sewage systems and sewer systems being really old and needing to be replaced. And like, those are really expensive projects. So I guess it makes sense that they would be running into some debt problems with 
uh, well, it's the only way you do. can build new things. Exactly. Like you, we like are you, not in a place yeah. in society anymore where you can do a new thing without going into debt. Mm. You can't just, and it's very interesting because it gets into the bootstrapping that is often applied to individuals. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the libertarians and conservatives would say, well, you just got to figure it out. And then it's yeah. like, okay, do we raise taxes today? In order to raise all the money right now that we would need to build a new sewage facility? Or do we wait till people's sewers are overflowing? Right. right? Or do we go into more debt and like subtly and slowly raise more taxes? And that's why inflation is so out of control. Because Mm. once you start with debt, it doesn't stop. And the only way to pay for that debt is to create more More, debt. Yeah. No, we're in a bad cycle. Um, well, we're exactly on the time that I allotted for the ballot. <laughs> Do you have you're good on good on the ballot? I guess yep, voting is coming up and Yeah, I just want to I'm going to do it. I'm going to be there. I think it's just I feel like it's important for me to show up, but I I will acknowledge like how how just like just kind of not pretty like not great i feel about it <laughs> well i'll just say uh, that we all me. need to show up and we also need to like show up in between the periods exactly. like if anybody's ever had a job where you got a lot of freedom you know even the best people uh left without any accountability or any observation mm-hmm. uh will operate in their own interest um and i just think that like this it's very intentional um, the way politics is set up to get us not to want to participate and the only way that things are ever going to change uh, in politics are if more people participate because they are betting on our lack mm-hmm. of participation and our lack of participation is how they build their power. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, now we're going to shift gears into kind of the, the random part of the show and just sort of checking in with you. Looking back on 2023, I guess we're, what, mid-October somehow. Um, So just in the past, like, number of months or whatever, just what have you been paying attention to? And I have some ideas that I wrote down, but if you want to start off with whatever topic, um, um, yeah. Yeah. um... Homes, banks, education, Marvel, Barbie, uh, climate justice. <laughs> we got, so, we got so many things. Um, I mean, I'm always paying oh, attention nervous to system. nervous yeah. system. Yeah. yeah. I've always paying attention to homes and home prices and the skyrocketing of that. I became a homeowner this year. Um, and also just, yeah, noticed, um, all the ways it is both easier and more difficult to get a home, um, mm-hmm. easier to access the financing and harder to actually find a place to actually get and the level of competition in that. Okay. Um, and that's relationship to inflation. Um, and I think war and housing are the reasons uh, for massive inflation. Also, you know, um, I'm thinking of this uh, meme that comes up in my head every time I think about student loan debt of like... Um, uh, Stringer Bell saying we back up, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, student loan debt is back up, and so yeah. I would just say that I am anticipating um, it is in the interest of uh, the federal government for the president to be elected in a year of turmoil mm. um, because that actually gets that is an election that they do want lots of people engaged in, mm-hmm. and they want politicians to look like heroes with solutions to problems that people are really dealing with. And so, I think 2024 is going to be a financially pretty terrible year for most americans who are now having to pay higher rents Mm -hmm. higher mortgage payments um we are dealing with the credit crunch uh and during covid the credit boom was just like 
lowering interest rates yeah. crazy, chopping money out left and right, printing and money print, and right. printing uh, like $2.6 trillion dollars yeah, that's what bill. I, a big lesson from COVID is like, oh, they can make up money so so much <laughs> every single home that they make is just writing money into existence and so i believe that uh 2024 is going to be a very tough year for most people mm-hmm. and trying to get mentally emotionally and financially ready for that um and it's uh, also a year that the stock market yo-yos um because of the public i mean it's a con game so it's right. like public confidence so if there's like a bad if there is um we had some debates in the last election that were just like where everybody was like, this is not going good either way. Right. Um, and that is actually going to affect the stock market, which is going to affect jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, Geico. I just saw some people posting about how Geico fired like 2000 people and they have like a, a oh, big, um, you know, here. hub here. Yeah. And so I think we're going to see um, lots of companies in anticipation of an uncertain year mm-hmm. um, firing lots of people before Christmas, before mm-hmm. fourth quarter profits. And you're also going to see an enormous and ridiculous amount of products uh, being pushed on us to maintain fourth quarter profits and also um, conflicts around the world. A big thing I've been paying attention to because I think it actually is probably the best chance that we have at like addressing climate change and other things on a global scale is the BRICS convention uh, okay. has been much more active. Okay. Um, Can you explain what that is? That is uh, basically Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa mm. um, have been making an economic force uh, that's similar to the IMF. Okay. Um, and basically are on a path to slowly eroding um, the dominant force of the U.S. dollar in uh, all exchange. Mm. And so one of the reasons it's very important that Wall Street is in the United States, that the NASDAQ is in the United States, and that the Chicago Board of Exchange, which trades all options, futures, and derivatives are in the United States, mm. is that all those things are traded in U.S. dollars. And so if, if you want to invest in the largest corporations on earth, mm-hmm. um, you know, and occasionally like there'll be companies that have subsidiaries on the Nikkei or on other things, but even most Chinese corporations, like they mm. operate on the New York Stock Exchange, change and so and then all petrol everywhere is traded in u.s dollars and valued in u.s dollars and um yeah muammar Gaddafi, mahmoud ayinejad uh and uh, saddam hussein are the only people to try selling gold for oil and you can tell what happened Mm. to all of them um so this convention has made it explicit that they are going to start trading natural resources for precious metals Mm. and that they are going to you know give each other exclusive rights to better prices on the all the natural resources that they Mm -hmm. create and if you think about you know just india and china and brazil like uh all these countries together and they're getting more allies uh, are basically trying to replace the g8 the g20 imf Mm -hmm. and global monetary fund Mm -hmm. in their ability to lend to smaller countries Mm -hmm. Uh, so anytime you see like china's investing in africa china's investing in new markets a lot of that has to do with china um russia brazil and these countries coming together and basically saying we are going to create a counterweight um to the european dominance in our economy 
Mm-hmm. Um, they are much, although I, I wouldn't consider them like climate revolutionaries, they are very clear. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the way that all of those countries behave is fundamentally different than the U.S., even though they are still doing a lot of capitalist activities. They do them with a lot more thought and tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're getting more powerful and they represent 41% of the world's population, mm-hmm. um, a way higher percentage, but I don't remember, of the labor force. Mm. Um, and they have very much aligned with Africa and other countries in Southeast Asia in making investments because to the earlier conversation we were having if a country wanted to go into debt the imf was the the way to do it and now there are other ways to do it that are less destructive to those countries long term produce less waste because most of the imf stuff was really for you know corporations Mm -hmm. uh, most famously yeah like coca-cola in south america like building these um water water plants that yeah. really were just ways for coca-cola to get clean water to like make cheap coca-cola and so i think they've been much more loud and much more strategic and mm. um yeah i think are you know really impacting global politics in a way that's growing um and is actually being acknowledged by the west a lot and so okay. that's a thing that i've definitely been paying a lot of attention to um i think that's good information because i really um Something that also came up with my conversation with Sarah is just like, where do you pay attention to news? Like, how do you pay attention? Like, you know, all the all of that. And so it's good to hear hear something that, yeah, you're paying attention to. And I don't know, but it, it has been a challenge for me, especially this year. Um, I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge every year, but this year in particular, I'm just like, where do I look? What do I like? What do I learn well, about? And, and, and AI. Um, but that is, is yeah, AI is. I have the definitely of options. Yeah, and then they're also exploding the amount of both accuracy and lies yes, at the same time. I know. So there are places that are much more accurate because they're able to use AI to do research, to write copy, and to mm-hmm. produce things much faster, much more efficiently, and then much more thoroughly. Yeah. And then there are people who are just making their own blogs running stuff through ai and not understanding that they are regurgitating lies and so ai is another thing that i've been paying a lot of attention to and using and playing with because um i mean and even just look at the changes in zoom like everything is going to have an ai companion now Mm. and Mm -hmm. um, the more that you use ai just like that the more we use it the more it's able to create and the more it's able to take from yeah and so i think i've definitely been paying a lot of attention to it also just the deep fix stuff like you Mm. know for like 20 bucks you can get a website where you can take a celebrities or even Mm. your my face Mm -hmm. and put our voice to it like just this podcast being online i mean someone could recreate a fake version of that podcast and that's not in anybody's interest today right um but it also it's a very like what is real and i don't know if you've ever seen these pictures of this dude like kicking an alligator i don't think so there's so many pictures and now it's like is this picture oh is it real or not or not i just for the podcast ai part um I haven't listened to the Tim Ferriss show in a while, but that's one of the podcasts I first started listening to. And, you know, his long form interviews are very inspirational to this. But and he has like, I think maybe 500 episodes plus at this point, just like hour, two hour interviews with all these different people. And so he's just kind of in beta, but like has created an AI that has like learned all of his podcast episodes and can now like listeners can ask him questions like or him the ai questions about 
um, just different things that all of these people have said. And yeah, like he interviews the world's top performers. So like whatever that means in many circumstances. And yeah, I'm, I'm deeply curious and about the variety of ways because it is it, like it shows up in our life already for different things. Um, but yeah, to be even more explicit about it, it's a big big deal well, now they want us to pay for it and they want us oh, to yeah. make it useful for us like right company like any if you've been on and i you know working in collections we used to have voice over ip and like mm. any automated phone system mm. that you've ever interacted with was ai yeah and so now that the ai is more public it used to be kind of this like i don't say a corporate secret because it wasn't like they were like oh we're not using it but mm -hmm. like people didn't know what it was and people had no personal relationship to yeah. it now open ai you know like i paid 20 bucks a month to yeah. have unlimited things and so now also richer people theoretically are going Can to be able to more. be more efficient yep. um and to create and produce more products and to produce more interactions mm -hmm. with uh, which in our social media world and social media, mm -hmm. like the algorithm, it's just right. AI, right? right? And I think it's very interesting that they called it the algorithm instead of yeah. AI because it is an AI, it is an mm -hmm. automated, out. like it's not the right. algorithm that's the part that we don't like, that makes it interesting. Yeah. It's the automation of the algorithm yeah. and the ability of the algorithm to learn and recreate itself. So it's like we've been interacting with this for a while mm -hmm. and people fundamentally have disliked certain thing, ways that yeah. they interact with AI because it doesn't give them the predictability that they want so i'm really interested in how the different branches of ai um are used and and, and employed by different um companies different schools different institutions yeah. because there are so many applications and then the flaws like the fundamental flaws with it um and the ways in which it is both eliminating and also making more valuable computer programmers yeah um Okay, well, in the interest of time, I want to ask you about two more topics. The one is I do want to hear your like thoughts about the Barbie movie because I talked to Kelly Camacho about it a few months ago, and I just, I don't know, it's been on my mind even though it's been a couple of months since I've seen it. And then the other thing, and maybe this is connected to AI because as you were talking, like I'm going back to school now to be a elementary school teacher, and you know, you with the, like Galactic Tribe and just your personal interests have always been really interested in public education. So those are the two topics I still okay. want to hit before we go. I don't know which one you want to talk about first is Barbie or school, but I was thinking like, Oh wow. Like if I start talking, you know, to a chat GPT about like lesson plans for a certain grade for a certain topic with certain state standards, I'm just like, like my brain's just kind of going off right now. So yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I'll talk about Barbie first. Okay. Um, <laughs> I am absolutely shocked that that movie was allowed to be produced and put in theaters. Yeah. Um, and that it was able to use Mattel. Like it's a very radical movie. I think that there are subtle moments in it where I, think that like the type of feminism that it is pushing for is um very like white and liberal but mm -hmm. overall i thought it was a really interesting way to use barbie really as a tool to offer a critique of um you know uh, bell hooks white supremacist capitalist heteropatriarchy with a focus on the heteropatriarchy yeah and i think that this concept of like alternate realities where people 
behave totally differently mm. is very important because I think Americans normalize America. Yeah. And if you haven't been outside of America or studied anything about America or know history, I just find it very hard for Americans to imagine or conceive of, mm. you know, potential realities outside of the one that we exist in or even the fact that the one we exist in now hasn't existed that long. Right, right. Um, yeah. To your you know, kind of question about school. And I just, yeah, I, I think, you know, Will Ferrell's portrayal of the boardroom. I think mm-hmm. the only thing I didn't like about it is they, they made, they made some of those men seem kind of dumb. Yeah. I was like, why are there so many? And yeah, they were, yeah, they should be smarter than that. Because like, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're smart and they're absolutely ruthless. And they like, yeah. they, they almost have like pro they've programmed like patriarchy is a program. Mm. Is it, and, and it is in everything that we see and do and it's also a thing that like is often operationalized especially at this moment mostly in a lot of ways by women mm-hmm. right and if you yeah. think about like mothers grandmothers like elder into your point about age right like people who were raised at a point in time when like it was even less safe to be a woman mm-hmm. are holding existing women to standards exactly. that they grew up with and are both there and not exactly and so i think the movie did an interesting way of like weaving all of that together yeah. and layering all the that. generations were really like the mother daughter stuff and how um yeah like america ferrera's daughter was like yeah told barbie off basically <laughs> like you ruined things for women and i thought that was yeah really really powerful i think a public acknowledgement and I think that, about, it made me think about how much i played with them and then like what kind of impact that did have on me like yeah it's just not something that i had really thought about no i and i, I think it was really important that there was a public acknowledgement by mattel mm-hmm. um because the company still exists and it still sells barbies yep and so that's barbies. a lot of barbies and it's going to sell even more because of yeah. this movie i heard they might make new toy movies like oh what are their well, other toys that they make this movie like, was so yeah. successful and i, I just yeah. i want to hear more about like the writers and i think particularly i saw you know margot roby like take a lot of ownership and like pride in the yeah. movie in a way that i think is is just this interesting moment in capitalism where it's actually in a capitalist heteropatriarchal corporations interest to admit that that's what it is yeah um because we're in a moment where like they almost can't (laughs) lie about it but then they still use that moment to Mm -hmm. sell more barbies Mm -hmm. and those barbies are going to be slightly less heteropatriarchal than the previous barbies but ultimately they're still going to do all the horrible things Mm -hmm. and so in a very twisted way it is like selling us an image of a corporation, of an institution yeah. remaking itself, but only for the sake of doing all the harms that it acknowledged that it did. Exactly. And I think yeah. that is just like the height of irony, and I'm really interested in how weird. Ever- I remember from like more of a sustainability perspective when it first came out, I was in like a writing class with a group of women, and there were a couple that were just like disgusted by like the amount of like consumption that the movie itself generated like just with all the extra plastic and all the extra barbies and all the extra makeup i mean everything did it and it yeah i i loved it i like got to see it with my mom which was like a very unique experience and (laughs) how did your mom react to that um she liked it. Uh, we still need to talk about it more, I think. She says she needs to see it again because she doesn't remember it all. But she liked it. I mean, and, I mean, she had Barbies when she was growing up, so it was pretty uh, nostalgic for her. But, um, yeah, I think she generally liked it. 
Um, but it was definitely, a, I've heard of stories of like, yeah, girls like breaking up with their boyfriends because they like freaked out at the movie or something like that. And um, yeah, or like mothers like walking out early with their daughters and stuff. <laughs> I can't. I love that opening not... scene when the little girls were like slamming their dolls on the ground. It was funny. Um, if I, I didn't agree way. with like the premise of the movie, I can't imagine <laughs> what was yeah like 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 I can't imagine like people in Oklahoma, people yeah. in Texas, like people mm-hmm. in like very conservative places. And I think it it also, you know, in one way, one of the reasons I think it was allowed to happen too is because it's going to trigger those people to be like, oh, this is woke now. Yep. And I think that, which I hate because I hate that. woke yeah. is also just, yeah, just a word that a lot of people of color have used in a way that was like, you know, stay aware, yeah, stay looking exactly. out and watching out for how these things the, can harm you. I know. That has now been like appropriated. But um, it's, it's yeah, it's just a really interesting phenomenon that um, movies and media because of the internet and YouTube's power uh, and honesty and authenticity, um, you know, everything has to have a little bit of fake realness in it now, mm-hmm. which then makes real. Yeah. And it's just yeah. this deconstruction of everything that, yeah, who knows how long it's going to go for. <laughs> but, uh, but we're still here right now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Um, yeah. What about school? Like, yeah. So um. I don't know. Next year, I'll be student teaching and then trying to look for a job somewhere around here. And I will. I mean, we've talked a little bit about it, like when we're not recording, but it's it's really been so eye opening to me. I mean, I I don't have kids. Seeing people with kids like kind of try to navigate the system. I had a conversation this morning, like with a mother who's just like does not know what to do, like when her kids are like getting into middle school and stuff, and. Yeah, I like I expected the politics around social studies, but reading, you know, it's just like crazy. So I just wondered, um, yeah, have you been paying attention to anything in particular with education or where where are you at? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the, the older I get, the more I am both pro the current school and like schools need to be phased out Mm. um they were created you know by the rockefeller foundation that's the first thing that it did Mm. um i think it was like 1901 they gave at the time which is insane i don't know how much money this is now but like 180 million dollars to build the whole school system Mm. because you know workers were too dumb and it was to build like you know really good workers and like you know um I look at often this like Mother Jones cover of this like comic I have, which you can't see, but it's basically like we belong in school, not a factory. Mm. And I think that was like to talk about like terrible choices. But ultimately, the more that I read history and the more that I just study the brain uh, and brain oh, function. Oh, yeah, we didn't get to talk about that too it, much. It's I mean, like a little bit. Yeah, it's go for really it. <laughs> indoctrinated. It's very, yeah. you know, it's like it doesn't allow. And, and there was a, a recent study just about like school does it makes kids more limited Mm -hmm. in their imagination. It like literally like hurts the most important and special parts of their brains Mm. and gets them to conform. And, and, and so I think schools are absolute, we've structured society so that school is childcare. And basically we've offered our children up to the state to like mold them. And I think that I've always struggled with that because I've taught justice what I feel he needs to know from like, day one and that also makes him weird and it also 
You know, and I know many other parents who have homeschooled their kids, go back and forth between homeschooling and especially in the black community because of how white supremacist our education system is. Yeah. Also how heteronormative it is for queer kids and then mm-hmm. just for immigrants. It's just like we need oh, different yeah. schools for different things. Right. And actually the original concept of university was not that you go there when you're 18. It was mm. that like there needs to be a school of schools because any individual school will limit human behavior in like being rigid Mm -hmm. and that we needed open places where people who wanted to learn lots of different types of things Mm -hmm. would be able to specialize as they chose to yeah and i think that's been very perverted and i think that also money right school is incredibly expensive it's expensive it's most of what we pay property taxes for Uh um and and then obviously higher levels of education i mean every time i look at the yeah sofi stadium um and the enormous amount of profit and just like the whole banking system you know our whole banking system is really set up now to like make things even like you get these little emails like you want to buy something for a hundred bucks and like break it down into two payments. So I just think that like I see now much more school as like a vehicle for, you know, um, conformity. And I think that it's hard because we've constructed this world and deconstruction of anything or, or reconstruction of it is going to like what, what do we do? Like, do we just right. keep doing the same things that right. we know is bad, but then stopping it when we set everything up that way, right. you know, requires so much. And so I've tried to always think of myself as a supplement to all the young people I know mm-hmm. and their education and even the smallest interactions that I have with them. And I also, you know, just the more and more we study the brain, the more and more it becomes obvious, like how powerful the conditioning Mm -hmm. of things like homework are, which have been totally debunked as like a good thing to do Mm -hmm. for children's learning and then play like like play all play has been removed from school there's no recess Mm -hmm. there's no social studies until high school and so school is getting way 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 worse and i also still think it's like necessary because as a parent like if justice didn't go to school i don't know what i would do and i think like i'm actually relatively privileged compared to most people like you're working working at home and having a very flexible job but um and it was way harder yeah when i did 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 collections and other types of work Mm -hmm. um so yeah i just think um i with everything i'm like how long can this last yeah yeah i think yeah we definitely need like the i mean (laughs) would a hundred million something dollars like help to totally revamp the whole thing but i'm seeing a lot in you know kind of the the education that i'm getting right now is like it's a pretty like liberal like framing of everything and play is important like all of this stuff like individual student stuff is really important but then i'm like but i'm gonna have 25 kids and like you know this certain amount like there's all these other conditions around me it's so it's almost like yeah they're like setting it's like all this like really like good yeah figure it out and i like i am pretty shocked at um i mean what i'm seeing is like no social studies textbooks right now i mean maybe that's not across the board i'm sure some people have something but and then we just read an article about like how poorly like textbooks do like on hard history topics and um it is yeah i i don't know there is a part of me that's like i definitely like want to do this and it's it's good but it's also like 
yeah, how long is it going to last? I'm like really shocked at like that it's even gone on this long. Well, and kids have so many more ways but it to is get the how It's the home care. It's like people have to work. Both of the parents are going, like kids have to go to school. And yeah, what are they learning there? And it, I can't believe how much it depends on the teacher and the district. Um, it's really... I mean, I knew that was true, but now I'm just like, oh, wow, like they can really do what they want to do. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 We've, we've swung to the other end of the pendulum. Right. Right. Yeah. Instead of being like super strict and like obviously like like violent and disciplinary and it's more like, oh, we have all these wonderful options and then everything's just sort of like like just going wherever so yeah on that note (laughs) um we're yeah at the end and I just um wanted to ask you the question that I ask everyone and I've definitely asked you this in the past but I think it's been a couple years so where do you experience in yourself or society a world that is dying and then one that's being born to take its place everywhere um yeah, right. I think everything is dying and recreating itself mm-hmm. in a very interesting way. And I think that um, most of the places that I see the recreation are, yeah, I think I talked about the BRICS, um, you know, as like a more global, like, set of countries deciding that the world is going to be a different place and taking a very huge risk um, mm-hmm. to make that happen. But also knowing that they have a lot of power and a lot more power than uh the white supremacist news cycle has actually like allowed them to be seen in. Mm -hmm. Um, I see a lot of resistance. Like I see lots of people everywhere just saying, I'm not doing that. I don't Mm -hmm. feel like it. And just like a culture of care that is difficult to practice in a world that we're in. But I think people are trying Mm -hmm. and I think people are also failing um, because institutionally you can't reject this world and exist in it at the same time. Yeah. I so know, I, I see yeah. that just a little bit everywhere and it gives me a lot of hope that like I think culturally <clears throat> most people, you know, even under forty, uh, and then even more so with like whatever new words and letters they're putting on generations mm. are just <laughs> yeah. categorically rejecting that this is how things have to be. Um and so I see that I see a lot of potential in that. Yeah. And then obviously, um, yeah, there are people dying in every corner of the world and even down the street. And um, that is more visible because we all have little cameras in our pockets Mm -hmm. and we have a platform that is, you know, hyper focused, so ruthlessly focused on our attention that it often forgets that if it lets us pay attention to real things, we might grow and learn and become more radical. And so I find that very interesting, the way Mm. that the internet theoretically does not care where attention goes as long as it can figure out where it goes and monetizes it. And then at the same time, it's very clear that like people are seeing the world way more, way differently. I watch so many like TikToks and things of like people like Americans going to other countries uh, and like literally landing and just taking like freaking out and be like, well, I thought it was going to be like this here. And yeah, so yeah. I just think like we have so much more access to each other in the world. And so I think that both helps us see death and because it does then allows us to live life differently and, and grow life differently. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, I'll let you have the last word if you have any more like recommendations for people listening or just parting thoughts. Um, I would say get ready for 2024 and buckle <laughs> down the hatches because it's going to be a wild ride that might end back with Trump. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to the Keeping Things Alive podcast. For more information about sustainability, this podcast, and my book, Silent Seasons, Chasing Sustainability Through the Law, please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org. Thank you.